Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Today, I'm going to read five verses of Scripture before I pray. You follow along in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is Power in Unity. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you and your word always agree. And I pray today as I preach your word, God, that you strengthen my, my mind and my body. Anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd let us hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. There is power in unity. If you study the Bible, especially if you study the book of Acts, you'll, you'll see if you read in the King James Version this phrase, this wording of one accord. And the Bible constantly talks about the early church as being of one heart, one mind, one purpose, on one accord. They wanted to see the same thing happen. And here's the reality about the first church. They were a mixed race church. They were a mixed background church. They came from different uh, areas, different geographic areas. They had different ideas about how to do things. But they found a way to work together in unity, and I don't see a lot of unity in the world today. It has been a, a tough couple of weeks. It has been a tough uh, time in America as, as a veteran of the United States Army and a man who loves this country deeply. Uh, it's, it's been tough to, to see our country abandon billions of dollars worth of weapons, thousands of armored cars, hundreds of thousands of automatic rifles, uh, Equipment, helicopters uh, to a country that we were at war with for 20 years. And, e and then to even do the unthinkable, which is to leave our people behind to die. There's no unity in that. Uh, there's not even good strategic planning in that. Now, I've been praying for an end to these conflicts for years. I, I've been asking God to, to bring our people home for years. But pulling the plug and leaving Americans behind... Uh, that's just been a tough pill to swallow for people who love America, especially for veterans who understand the cost of freedom. And then you add on to that yesterday being the 20th anniversary of 9-11 when 19 hijackers committed murder-suicide um, and killed uh, 2,997 Americans at the World Trade Center. Listen, men, women, red, yellow, black, and white, Immigrants, native-born, um, 
It didn't matter. It did, they didn't care what your race or your political persuasion was. When those buildings came crashing down and when that plane crashed into the Pentagon, um, people were killed from every background. Uh, I, I sat and watched the news yesterday, and I saw the segment after segment on CNN constantly saying that we should no longer refer to these hijackers as Islamic terrorists because that pits one race against the other and that has created Islamophobia in America and it's caused people to unjustly look at uh, people from is Islamic faith as, as being bad. And he, listen, I don't condemn any one race of people for the actions of, of some crazy folk. But this is the same network that all day long tries to pit white people against black people. And now they're saying we can't, we can't talk about the fact that they were Islamic um, because, you know, that, that, that's just going to create division. And I thought, wow, all of a sudden we want to have unity now. We don't want to have unity uh, between people who are citizens and people who are non-citizens. We don't want to have unity between people who are red, yellow, black, and white in America. But we want to have unity between America and the 19... Uh, terrorists that that drove planes into American buildings listen the world is upside down on its head and doesn't make any sense and if you pay attention to what's going on uh, you just can't help but scratch your head the sad reality is most of us are so busy doing our own thing we, we're not paying attention to what's going on if you haven't felt it in your wallet yet uh, you don't drive that much because I told y'all last November Enjoy that dollar eighty-five because it's going to be changing. Uh, I'm paying. I paid three dollars and seventy-one cents for premium gas last time I pumped gas. I looked today on one hundred third Street. It's two ninety-five for regular gas. Uh, that's gas filled with sediment and additives. Uh, it's about to push over three dollars for the first time in a long time. If you haven't noticed your grocery bill going up, listen. We are facing some tough things as a country. I saw. A meme yesterday circulating around the internet that, that it hit me and it said, if you ask me what I was doing last Tuesday, I might not remember the specific details, but if you ask me what I was doing 20 years ago last Tuesday, I could sure enough tell you. And for everybody who is adults um, or were adults at that time, and even if, if, if you were you know, into your grade school age, you probably remember that Tuesday 20 years ago on September 11th, 2001. I remember it well. Our church was two months old. Uh, my firstborn child was 23 days old, and my phone was ringing off the hook. By 9 o'clock in the morning, I'd already had over a dozen people call me, and everybody was glued to the television. I do a lot of research, a lot of studying, um, and I've looked at the experts who studied 9-11 and the impact that it had on the body of Christ, and they all agree with one thing. It was so short-lived, it was almost insignificant. That Tuesday, we got, we, I had people call me uh, all day that day. Are, are we going to have church tonight? Our church, we were brand new and we were having church. The reason I remember it was a Tuesday is because we were having church every night of the week except Tuesday. 
I, I was doing specific discipleship training on different nights with different groups. We were going out on visitation. The one night of the week we had off was on Tuesday, and we gathered together that night at the house of God for prayer. Now, that may or may not be the biggest uh, event in your life's history. Uh, I know there are, there are big events for people my age. Uh, people point back to when President Kennedy was shot. They point back... Uh, why I don't know, to when Elvis died. Um, they, you know, you even got these young people now, they remember when Paul Walker died, when half the world don't even know who he is. But the, these were big events, and I want you to know, if it didn't impact you directly, realize that there are people who've been devastated by the impact. When 3,000 people die in one day and over 6,000 people get injured in, in, in that level, of that's a lot of moms. That's a lot of dads. It's a lot of brothers and a lot of sisters. And I can tell you somebody uh, who was holding, I was holding my wife when she took her last breath over 15 years ago. And I can tell you when, when you lose somebody that you care about, 15 years might sound like a lot to young people, but when it's a huge event like that, sometimes it feels like it was yesterday. And we need to learn as a country, if you don't hear anything else, as the body of Christ, we need to learn how to be more loving, and more compassionate. We need to learn how to be more accepting and more gracious. And there is power in unity. And the Bible talks a lot about unity. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that the place of unity is where God commands a blessing over his people. But the sad reality is I think we're more divided today than we ever have been. I, I saw our nation uh, come unraveled uh, a, a lot, uh, a, a lot of People talked about the, uh, the unraveling of uh, racial relationships under President Donald Trump. Listen, we, we're more divided today. Uh, a year later, uh, everybody said that President Biden was going to bring the country back together and be a president for all people. There's more division now. There's more murders now. They don't even go talked about anymore, though. You don't even hear about the stuff that's going on. You don't hear about the 53 people that got shot last week in Chicago. You don't hear about the four-year-old boy and the six-year-old girl who got killed last week in Chicago. People just, they, they, they want us all to focus on stuff that, that pulls us apart instead of draws us together. We prayed together for one day as a nation 20 years ago. People set aside their political differences and their racial differences and their geographic differences, and they came together as one group of people that had a compassion for the entire country. And I'm telling you, if we don't learn how to walk together in unity as the body of Christ, then we will never experience what God has for us to experience in this generation. There's more division now. People just look for stuff to separate on. People separate over the, the silliest of things. And I've told you for years and years and years, we should have, listen, white people should have learned uh, from the civil rights movement uh, and, and every other group that w learned how to wor work together in unity 
that there is strength in unity, and when people come together for one purpose, one cause, a lot of things can get done. But the sad reality is, and I've been telling you all this for years, there are principles and keys to help you understand the Bible. One of those is knowing who the Bible is talking to when you read it. And I told you for years that when the Scripture says they and them, it's primarily talking about unbelievers. When it says we and us, it's primarily talking about Christians. And it is time, it is past time for the body of Christ to get a we mentality. When people talk today about us, us folk, we and they, they're not usually thinking about Christian and non-Christian. They're, they're usually dividing on different levels. They're dividing on politics. They're dividing on race. But there was a time in the body of Christ in the first century when the people of God came together on one accord with one heart, one mind, and one purpose and did great things. And if you want to be a part of something that God is doing, if you want to be a part of being who God wants you to be, listen, you're going to have to learn how to set aside some differences and work together in unity. Uh, I've said a lot right now. Y'all staring at me like I'm not saying anything, but we're going to get into this text. Because for me, I, I, because I read so much, I got my report today on my iPhone. I don't know how many of y'all get those reports. You ever see your daily usage report? My daily usage was down 13% this week. Um, it said that I only used 15 hours and 43 minutes a day worth of data. I read a lot. Um, I, I absorb a lot of information throughout the week, and a lot of that information is designed to cause us to feel bad, disconnected, negative, but I want you to know, for me, the Word of God brings comfort. For me, knowing that God, being reminded constantly in the reading of God's Word, that God is in control of all of these events, not surprised by any of these events, brings me great comfort, and I want us to look at our text today, because here, here's what we need. We need to be comforted by the Word of God in difficulty. We need to be brought together by the Word of God in unity. And we need to stop allowing the enemy to toy with our emotions by coming together as believers in one body of Christ. In our text, Philippians 2.1, I'm going to get a little teaching on you this morning. I want you to follow along and learn something. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? If you look at that verse on the screen, you see question mark, question mark, question mark. You see the, these four questions that all have the same answer. Now, these questions are rhetorical in nature. And I put the definition in my notes. I want you to see because a lot of times Jesus and the apostles used rhetorical questions as a way of teaching. Every good teacher uses rhetorical questions. Look at what it says, definition for a rhetorical question. It's a question that is asked merely for effect with no answer expected. The answer may be obvious or immediately provided by the questioner. I'll give you a good one. I told you all great teachers use rhetorical questions. Your mama or your grandmama, if you had a good one, asked you at some point in your life, do you want me to knock your head smooth off your shoulders? Rhetorical question, uh, or, or they said something like this, 
do I look stupid to you? Now that's a question, but you better not answer it because you did not a good answer for that question to be had. But these four questions that I see in verse 1 are all designed to have the same answer. Let's look at them. Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 1. The first question is, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Well, the answer is yes, but it makes me wonder, then why are we so discouraged? Is, is, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Does being a Christian encourage you? And the answer is designed to be yes. This is a rhetorical question. This, this isn't something that, that God wanted you to sit and think about and try to figure out. The answer is implied. It's obvious. But it begs the follow-up, why are we so discouraged? We claim that we know the true and the living God. We claim to be in right relationship with the one and only God. Then why, if there's all this encouragement from belonging to Christ, why are we so discouraged? I'm, I'm going to give you a, a peek into the possibility of why, because we focus on the wrong thing. We listen to the wrong information. We believe the wrong report. We, we, we get our emotions involved and we let our emotions guide us when we should be relying on the truth to instruct us. I want to tell you something. If you go through this life being led about by your emotions, you're going to be discouraged. If you go through this life allowing your emotions to, to guide uh, your course, then you are going to be guided wrong. There is encouragement that comes from belonging to Christ. And if you find yourself discouraged, I'm going to tell you this. One of two things is true about you. Either you're not saved at all or you're not rejoicing in your salvation. Either you're not saved at all or you're expecting God to do something for you greater than what he did at the cross. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here's a news flash for you. There's nothing coming beyond salvation that is ever going to compare to what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's the big news. That's the good news. That's the great news. Jesus died for the unworthy so that the unworthy could be made right with God. And if you could just find that joy of the new believer. I've had people tell me for four decades of preaching this gospel, Pastor, I, I just wish I could be as excited as I was when I first got saved. The reason why some people are so excited when they first get saved is because they realize God did something amazing for them that they didn't deserve. They're excited to be saved. Doesn't matter if it's raining. If it, if it, listen, I, I remember being a new Christian. It rained. I thought God was so awesome. Look, look at my God making it rain so these flowers can be pretty. Look at how good God is bringing the rain to cool off this hot day. Look at how good God is to just water his creation uh, it, it, sunshine and look at how great God is to bring this beautiful sun and give us this gorgeous blue sky day for the believer who's excited about being saved nothing can discourage you because you've been comforted in Christ I want to tell you something oh I wish I just wish I had all these O-meters that I picture in my mind I wish I had a discouragement O-meter I could just start with Nancy and work all the way around in the back to Jessica and just put it around your neck and let you see how discouraged you are. What is your discouragement score if we could be honest today? Are you encouraged in Christ? Hear me. Or are you discouraged by what's going on? 
I'm telling you, if you're honest with yourself, there's a lot of discouragement banging you in your head. There's a lot of things that come to discourage you. There's a lot of things that come to take the encouragement of Christ away from you. But it doesn't change the rhetorical nature of this question or the implied answer that this question should be answered with. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I just want you to answer as, as one group today just with a simple yes or a simple no. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Then we need to think about that. When, when you feel discouragement coming, you need to battle against that with the encouragement that comes from belonging to Christ. When, you, when your money is funny and your family is fickle and your faith is failing, you just need to remind yourself, but I'm on the winning side. I got a God that loves me and my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and he has made a place for me. That ought to make some of that discouragement wash off you. That ought to make some of these race hustlers and race pimps and, and discouragement screamers on television, just their noise drowned out. And you realize it doesn't matter what happens in this world. This world is just passing through. This is just temporary. This world is not going to be here forever, but I'm going to live. If you know you're going to live in heaven, you better have some encouragement about you. The second question in verse 1, is there any comfort from his love? Another rhetorical question. The answer is implied. You ought to be able to say yes, but it begs the follow-up. Then why don't we feel comforted? Is there any comfort? If somebody asks you, is there any comfort in the love of God, what is your answer? But Then, then why do we feel so uncomforted? Why, why are we looking for so much more? I'm going to point you back to the real answer because too many people are looking for something better than salvation. I can't make you feel it if you don't feel it, and I can't make you get it if you don't want to get it. But if you ever get truly saved, you, when, when people say churchy stuff, and sometimes churchy stuff is just ridiculous, but sometimes churchy stuff is, is telling the whole truth. Here's a little churchy statement for you. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. If you ever realize how great it is to be saved, if you ever get comforted by the fact that God loves you, you're going to stop feeling so uncomforted and you're going to be able to, listen, remember what God has done for you. I am convinced that the reason why people get discouraged, the reason why people don't feel comforted, the reason why people fall back on their commitment to Christ is because they either forgot or they got over that time of salvation. You need to go back and revisit how, how, how it was when God saved you. You need to find comfort and love and, and, and goodness in the cross. And you need to realize God did something for you that he didn't have to do. The third question, I told you there's four questions here in verse 1. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Well, the obvious answer to that is what? Yes, there is fellowship together in the Spirit. What else could make a group of people... Uh, from different races, from different ethnicities, from different geographic backgrounds, drive into the same place from across the city. What, what would make a group of people come together and have fellowship? It's the cross of Christ that binds us. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us unity. But when we focus on other things, we have 
disunity. We have lack of harmony. We don't have oneness. And the place of one accord we've seen over and over in the Bible is the place where God commands the blessing. Now, if there's fellowship together in the Spirit, why are we divided? I'm going to give you a little peek into reality because we love to be pitiful. Poor, poor, pitiful me. They wrote a country song. You know they got to be a country song about that. that that's just a rip-off on the original hee-haw song of gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd what? Have no luck. Listen, people, why do you want to feel pitiful when you should feel powerful? Why do you want to walk around like a victim and rehearse all the ways that this world and life has let you down when the Bible says that we should give thanks to God who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus? We're not the victims in this world. We're the victorious. Well, you, you, ain't, you ain't been to my side of town. Your victimhood or your victory should not be determined on the size of your house, what you have in your bank account, or how many degrees you have hanging on the wall. Is your faith in Jesus Christ or all that junk? There's fellowship together in the spirit. We ought to be able to come together, red, yellow, black, and white. We ought to be able to come together, Democrat and Republican. We ought to be able to come together immigrant and native born we ought to be able to come together from every different background the bible says that in heaven god will gather together people from every nation every tribe every kindred and every tongue listen if you think there's only going to be white people in heaven newsflash you're not going if you think there's only going to be black people in heaven, newsflash, you're not going. If you think there's only going to be brown, yellow, red people in heaven, you're not going. Because the Bible says that God tore down the middle of wall of separation that was between the races. And he made of himself one new man, one body, one church. There's one Lord, there's one faith there's one baptism and there's only one God and there's only one body of Christ with him being the head. And if you believe that God is your father, everybody else who has God as their father is your brother or sister. You can call them brothers from another mother, but they better be brothers from the same father. And I just wonder today, do you have any fellowship? Can you set aside your differences? Oh, I think... Uh, most of you either, listen, if you come to Abundant Life and you don't set aside your differences, you are one angry, frustrated human being. You are one disconnected, disconcerted, mind stretched, asking yourself all the time, why do I even come there? Because I told y'all from the beginning, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm, I'm here to drive out lies and tell the truth about Jesus. I, I'm, I'm not here to cater to any one group of people. I'm not here to cater to any one political persuasion. I'm not here. Listen, I'll, te I'll tell you, I didn't, li I didn't like this, that, and the other thing about this president, that president, and the other president. But I would never tell you whoever the president is is not my president. I've been telling y'all for years, man, it, it, I, it cost me friendships with people, races. And I, I didn't lose any sleep over them because I don't like hanging out with people that don't love the Lord. But I had so many people 
uh, white people calling themselves Christians having a problem with the, the first black president in American history, President Barack Obama, and, and they, they started that foolishness, not my president. And I told him, he is your president. He's the only president there is. And I really, I got under their skin with this. And I'm an equal opportunity, skin getting under kind of dude. Because the Bible says the truth is like salt. It gets down in that wound and it burns and it stings and it bothers you. It, 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 it'll, put, it'll put a thumb on your bruise and remind you that you got some issues of your own. And I, I started telling them this back, back in 2008 when President Obama first got elected by overwhelming majority of red, yellow, white, and black people. And I, I told them, and, and y'all should know the answer by now. I'd ask them this question. Why, why do you think President Obama is the president of the United States? And I told him the same thing. Anybody remember what I told him? Because God wants him to be. Oh, you think that didn't just hurt their little feelings? Oh, they got their feelings hurt. I didn't vote. It don't matter if you voted for him. God wanted him to be the president of the United States. And that's why he was the president of the United States, not once but twice. Because God wanted him to be the president of the United States, not once but twice. The Bible says it is God who sets authority and order and places kings to rule. And then here comes 45. And so many people are like, Orange ain't my president. And I didn't vote for no racist, uh, evil, uh, and, and just on and on and on about Donald Trump. And I thought, well, you know, I've been telling people I'm equal, equal opportunity to get under your skin. So let me just go ahead and, and tell everybody, you know why Donald Trump was the president of the United States for four years? Because God wanted him to be. And people are like, I don't like that. What kind of God would make a Donald Trump the president? Listen, the, the only God that there is. Now, here's a little comfort for you, if that bothered you. You know why Donald Trump was not the president for eight years, but was only the president for four years? Because God only wanted him to be the president for four years. You want to know why? Listen, I'm just going to stomp all y'all out. I mean, it's just too many people here. Too many people here. You want to know why Donald Trump lost the election in 2020? Well, because they stole it. Steal the election. No, he lost the election in 2020 because God wanted Joe Biden to be the president of the United States of America. And if you don't like that, you don't understand God. Well, I ran all the black people out of church. Now all the white people ain't coming back. Listen, you can't scare me. We started with a handful of people. We might finish with a handful of people, but I'm going to tell the truth anyhow. And if the truth upsets you, then you can get glad in the same jeans you got mad in. God is in control. Now, you, you, I don't know how many years Joe, I'm already shocked. I thought Kamala would be the president by now. I'm already shocked that, that he's still, but you, you, hey, if God wants, if, if Joe Biden Wins again in 2024, I'm going to have one thing to say about why Joe Biden is the president of the United States. If God, whoever, God said he puts, he's the one who lifts one up and takes another one down. He's the one who instills authority across the world. We want to get divided 
over who the president is. I try to remind you, man, election year, I can't stand election year. I just cannot, just, I mean, people that I love looking stupid on the Internet, people that I care about just shaming themselves on, on social media, just getting all the little hurt feelings out there, condem- blocking, deleting people. Listen, it don't matter who the man or the woman sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is. The big question is, do you know the king of kings, the one who is Lord over all the earth? We only got one king. Presidents come and go. But, man, we are a divided. Listen, in this church, listen, we are doing one of the absolute hardest things to do in the world. We are gathering together as a multiracial, multiethnic group of people. And and if you think that's not hard, let me tell you, when Bishop Jakes, like him or, or Lump, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. Probably the greatest storyteller to ever pick up a microphone. Bishop Jakes could tell a sad... Bishop Jakes, if he wanted to tell a sad story to make you cry, he could tell a story about a sad story about a dog that'd make a cat cry. <laughs> one of the greatest sto- storytellers in the history of all... I don't agree with everything he said. Don't email me what you don't like about him. Um... But Bishop Jakes, when he left West Virginia and he relocated to Dallas, Texas, he took an all-black core, and within the first three months, Potter's House, Dallas, Texas, was over 90% white. You know why? Because he was preaching. You know why? Because people were coming out, because God was blessing that ministry, and people were coming out. At their anniversary of their one year of being in Dallas, Texas, you know what happened? The church was no longer 80-plus percent white. The church had turned to 80 percent black and has gone higher since then. And let me ask you this. Why in the world do you think one of the most gifted orators on the planet with one of the most effective ministries going at that time, why do you think he couldn't pull off a multiracial church? Because it's hard. Because folk are evil. Because people like what they like. And, and they want us for and no more. And they want to believe that Jesus looks just like them. They want to believe that everybody that's for them looks just like them. Listen, I've never believed every white person was on my side. Because they're not. And if you think every black person is on your side, every Hispanic person is on your side, every Filipino person. Listen, if you think the people that look... I just don't get it, man. I've been in, I've been in the airports with them. Listen, Jessica, you know about your people. I've been in the airport with these Puerto Ricans. They will see somebody at a different gate. Pastor, pastor. Hispanics don't look at people that call me pastor. That's how it's spelled. Uh, all, 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 all the white Americans, they say pastor. I've had people spell it pastor. T-E-R. No, it's spelled T-O-R. But all Hispanics are the only ones that get it. They, pastor. Un momento. Un momento. Me, me, me familiar. Un momento. You're familiar. You're putting me on hold. We're in the, I'm in the middle of a story. You see a couple of brown people over there at gate 12? We're waiting on a flight in gate 11? And you un momento me for me for me? Don't know those people from nobody? I don't know how they can even tell. How, why, why couldn't they be Colombian? Dominican. Panamanian. <laughs> Jessica's like, they know. <laughs> they know. They, they, they all got that little flag on their chest. They know. But if you think 
Hispanics don't run up to each other in airports. Hola, como esta? And it just, uh, it's, and they're really like, these are my people. They might be drug runners thinking you're working for the system. They might be thinking you're coming over there to ch check, see if that's really belly fat they're wearing or, or if that's some dope they're smuggling. We got to get to the place where we understand what makes us familiar beyond skin color, race, nationality, political persuasion. What makes us one is nothing greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. It, there's fellowship, listen, in the spirit. You got to be spiritual to fellowship with, with people that don't look like you. Oh, anybody, anybody, I was talking to Elder Jimmy this week. If we hung a sign on this building that said uh, Jacksonville Baptist Church, we're tripling attendance in a month. Because every Baptist in the community want to pull in and say, oh, what's going on? Oh, it's a Baptist church. I always wonder. Well, if we hung a sign, if we put a, if we put a dove and, 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 and a fire uh, and, and it said Jacksonville Methodist Church, we're tripling attendance overnight. If, if we put just a big old giant dove on the sign and said Jacksonville Charismatic Church, we, we, would, we, we would tenfold in attendance overnight. Because everybody want to come out and see how many miracles was working. Listen, but you put out a, you just put out a sign and, and, you, and you put out a formula that says we're a church for all people of all backgrounds. You, you don't have to look like us, be from our background. You just got to love Jesus. It's okay to be a different. Listen, mo, do you know most churches all vote the same? We're the most divided church voting people. Uh, you, I, I've never even been in a church that. Listen, we got tongue talkers, non-tongue talkers. We got Democrats, we got Republicans. We got don't Kerrigans. But if we don't remember the thing that makes us one, and, and, and listen, I see it all the time. I see visitors come in. They, they, they tell me, oh, I love, I love the preach. I love, I love the, t and then they just disappear. Well, you know, I, and I, listen, y'all, I'm, I'm going to give y'all an easy watch. White people tell on themselves more. Black people are used to blending in. When these white women come in for the first time and they hug that purse so hard that their jaw is clenched. Ain't nobody here going to steal your purse. We got security. And these are Christian people. Then you got other people leaving because it just they, they ain't enough hooping. Listen. If, if, I, if, I, if I got an organ grinder in here, we would triple the blood. Mm, ain't the Lord all right? Ain't the Lord. I saw the Lord. He heard my cry. Sent his son Jesus to live and die. We, we would quadruple in black attendance. If we, just, if, if we just had Jennifer get up there and play boom chat, 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 and, and just ran and screamed and hollered, we would quadruple in attendance. You know why? Because people want what they want, and they want it served up to them how they want it. If you're going to open up a restaurant on the west side of Jacksonville, it better not say Fresh Market on it. You'll need to waste no time with tofu. You don't need to waste no time with, with some uh, yogurt shop. 
better open up a throw-down barbecue with lots of sauce on the table. People want what they want. They don't want to go to a barbecue shack. Uh, Seth and I riding around downtown Jacksonville last night. Why? Just because we like to. Just making sure, you know, everybody was still sleeping on the same stoop. Just making sure that, you know, it was still, you know, people where the people supposed to be, uh, where, where, where you can normally see what's going on. And, man, we rode past Jenkins Barbecue. And we rode past Cotton's. And I thought, you know what? Ain't no tofu being served up in there. Ain't no yogurt on that menu. Ain't no, I already told my kids, if it's got, if you read the, the ingredients on it, you got a menu, and, and they, they say, say they're serving some dish with sun-dried tomatoes, goat cheese, and focaccia bread, I ain't, I'm, t- I'm ready to leave. Panera bread. You can't get no barbecue at Panera bread. You can't get no French fries at Panera Bread. You can't get no burger at Panera Bread. Why don't I eat at Panera Bread? Because people want what they want. And they go to get it. And this is why the body of Christ is so divided. Baptists want to go to a Baptist church because they're not going to have anybody tell them anything that's going to cause them to question what they think. And the people hate that. But the truth ought to make you question what you think. And if you want to learn the word of God, you need to be willing to be stretched. I'm telling you, if you you are not spiritual, you cannot have fellowship with people who don't think exactly like you. And here's another news flash. Nobody thinks just like you. We've all got our own thoughts. But we got to learn how to have fellowship together in the spirit and not be so divided. I said there's four rhetorical questions in this verse. Let's look at the fourth one. Are your hearts tender and compassionate. Now, when God inspired the apostle to write this uh, and uh, to the church at Philippi, and he asked them this rhetorical question, are your hearts tender and compassionate? What is his expected answer that they would give? Yes. Safe folk ought to have tender hearts and compassion. Begs the follow-up question, then why don't we have tender hearted compassion for others? I got mine, let them get theirs. Well, they did it to themselves. Well, that much, much as I've been through, I ain't got time to help them. Why do people who name the name of Christ sometimes come across as the most negative, bitter, judgmental, hateful, mean-hearted, evil folk on the planet? Well, the first answer is because everybody talking about Jesus ain't going to heaven. Everybody claiming Christ is not truly saved. But even for saved people, it takes effort in a cold, hard world of evil people, after you've been done wrong and done wrong and done wrong, it takes effort to be tender-hearted anymore in this life. We live in an in-your-face world. We live in a 24-7 uh, news, divisive, just designed to cause us to be angry and upset. We don't have tender hearts and compassion for others. Why? Because we love us more than we love other people. Well, I'm just for me and mine. Mm. Well, who are yours? You talking about the body of Christ or you talking about a different group of people? Let's go on to verse 2. Then make me truly happy. After answering these four questions, yes, is, is what God's expecting. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Whoo, that's a mouthful. There's three things right there. Say three things. 
There's three things here that make God happy. And it's so important. I don't just say this all the time to hear myself say it. I want you not just to be able to finish the sentence for me. I want you to read the Bible this way. Pay attention to the what? Pay attention to the punctuation. When you read the Bible, you ought to be making little Bible study notes for yourself. You ought to be writing stuff down as, as it's making sense to you. Then make me truly happy by doing some things. Three things. Number one, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Whoo. Anybody? Yeah, that's a stretch, huh? That's a stretch. Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Now, here, here's the reality. We're not going to agree on everything. We're not going to agree on everything. We're not going to agree on who the best president in our lifetime was. We're not going to agree who got the best football team in the country. We're not going to agree who got the best basketball or baseball team in the country. We're not going to agree on whose kids are the best looking. So how are we going to agree wholeheartedly with each other? I want you to start understanding that words are powerful and words have meaning. I love the specificity of God's word. God took specific words and expects us to read them, understand them, and apply them. He told us to agree mentally with each other. No, he said agree whole what? Heartedly with each other. You got to set your mind to the side. And you got to get your heart involved. When somebody says something whack, like, like if somebody were to say, well, I just believe President Joe Biden is good for the economy, and I just love what he's doing with gas prices. Gas prices will soon have doubled in this country in a year. Now, I know that in my mind. But if somebody says that, I'm, I'm just... I'm just going to, I'm going to let my heart get involved. Well, praise the Lord. And I'm going to remind them. Well, God wanted Joe Biden to be the president, and that's what we got. And so we need to pray for him. We need to pray he continue to uh, do what you think he's doing on the good. Because if you get your mind involved, if you get your emotion involved, it doesn't say agree with all your emotions with each other. You can't get your emotions to agree with the people that live in your house, much less all the people in the body of Christ. This is direction to the body of Christ. These are things that make God happy, that we agree wholeheartedly with each other. I might not be for everything that you're for, but I'm for you. Are you for me? That's what the Scripture's commanding. We're not going to agree mentally on everything. We're not going to agree emotionally on everything. But once, just like we can have fellowship in the Spirit, we can do that spiritually. We can do this wholeheartedly. Can't do it with logic. Can't do it with rationale because some people just whack. But you know what? As a Christian, you got to make room for whack folk. You got to love people in spite of people. I told y'all when we started this church, said it every year since then. If you're going to be here, you're going to have to love me in spite of me. I'm going to say some things you're not going to agree with. Study the scripture. See who's right. And if you find something in the scripture, uh, bring it to my attention. And, and we'll talk about it. But we need, we're not going to agree on everything theologically. We're not going to agree on everything once we get our feelings in the mix. But we can set our hearts into agreement and say, you feel that way? I feel this way, but I sure do love you, and I'm for you. It's time that we learn how to be for each other and love each other in spite of each other. God said these three things make me happy. The second one, loving one another. 
oh, my goodness, I don't even have the time, uh, and you don't have the patience for me to pull out 1 Corinthians 13 and show you what love really means. But God expects certain things out of us to each other. See, some people, here's the most miserable Christian folk in the world, people who have a good relationship with God but a bad relationship with people. God is concerned about your vertical relationship with him and your horizontal relationship with people. That's why when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't just give them one, he gave them two. He said, you got to love God and you got to love people. It's easy to love God. God don't argue back with you. God says what he says and stands by it. The Bible says all of his words are established forever in heaven. God doesn't change. He doesn't come at you one way on Monday and a different way on Tuesday. That's what people do. Uh, it's easier to love God than it is to love people because people will let you down. That's why God put so many verses in the Bible telling us to trust in the Lord and have no confidence in the arm of the flesh because the arm of the flesh will fail you. Human beings will fail you. It just blows my mind. I lived through it all. I watched when Jim Baker got caught up um, in, in, in his scandal and lots of people quit going to church because of Jim Baker. I watched when Jimmy Swaggart got caught up in his. Jimmy Swaggart at that time was the number one most broadcast Christian on the planet. He was on more TV and radio than any human being in the history of the world since before then or since then. And when Jimmy Swaggart got up there and admitted all that he had done, and brother was wild. And you know what people did? They, they left churches by the thousands. It, it, their, their pastor let them down. Well, well, why is your pastor holding you up? Nobody should be holding you up, but you, well, the church let me. Well, how's the church holding you up? Jesus is, should be your all in all. The only way we can truly love each other is like I told you before. It's, like, it's the way we agree with each other. By getting your logic, your rational thinking, and your emotions out of the way. This is a spirit thing. And this can't be done in the flesh. Oh, you can fake love for a minute. You can fake love for a minute. Me and Seth were talking last night uh, about uh, a handful of people. Uh, Stacy's been around long enough. St- Stacy knows what this means. When somebody says, and, and the people in this room have said it, and I've heard it more times than I can count. I love abundant life, and I don't care who leaves. I'm never going to leave my church. It's where God saved me. It's where God taught me. I love Pastor Scott, and I love Abundant Life, and this is my church. Anybody know what that means? Tell them, Stacy. <laughs> they, 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 one foot out. They don't know. And so Seth was asking me, because the last person that said that in the church that left, I told him when he said that. I said, if either one of my children in the room right now, they'd be rolling their eyes at you. Because they've heard a thousand people make that same speech. And every time soon as somebody makes that speech, it ain't long before they're down the road. And Seth asked me, do you think they know that they're leaving when they say it? (laughs) And I said, no, I don't think so. I think once they say it, the devil presses in on them. And sees if they're going to hold to it. Because if you're going to believe there's a God that's got a good plan, you've got to believe there's a devil that's got a bad plan. But how are we going to love each other? Spiritually spiritually you cannot maintain agreement and love with other people why because other people are crazy have you not realized that 
I've had people tell me, well, it seems like we've got quite a few crazy people at Abundant Life. Yet yeah, there's crazy people everywhere. People are different. And people make it hard to love them sometimes. And the only way that you're going to be able to do this, God said, this makes me very happy. Love one another. Jesus said, this is how everybody will know that you're truly one of my followers, that you love one another. How are we going to pull that off? Hear me. Only one way, spiritually. You get in your emotions. Mm. Know who he thinks he is. Mm. I think she rolled her eyes at me. Mm. Maybe it's time for us to leave like everybody else left. Hmm. You start feeling yourself, you need to get on your knees and repent. And you need to keep following God. The only way we can make God happy is in the spirit realm. The third thing he said in this verse that makes him happy, working together with one mind and one purpose. <laughs> the most dreaded phrase any pastor ever heard from church folk. Well, that's not the way we did it at my former church. You're welcome to go back. Well, we, we, we've never done it that way before. You're welcome to change and grow and stretch. Listen, work together with one mind and purpose. The only way we can do this, same way, spiritually. You will not be able to be on one mind and one accord and one purpose with any human being on this planet forever. You get your mind involved in it. You get your emotions involved in it. You, you get your pride involved in it. Well, I think we should such and so. Well, I think the problem is this and that. Well, if I was in charge, blah, 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 blah. That's not one mind. That's not one purpose. We, we are not here to exalt anyone except Jesus Christ. That, that is our one-minded purpose, is to lift up the Son of the, of the Son of the living God and to let the whole world know that there's only one God to serve and His name is Jesus Christ. we got to work together with one mind and one purpose. That purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and rest. Listen, we can disagree on tongues, speaking in tongues. We can disagree on the rapture, the second coming. We can disagree on what it means for the lion to lay down with the lamb. We can disagree on dispensationalism. We can disagree on eschatology. We can disagree on pneumatology. We can disagree on lots of different things. As long as we agree that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, we're going to be all right. That's the purpose, to preach the gospel, to share the good news, to go out and tell everybody about somebody who will save anybody. Cannot be done rationally. You can get your mind in the way, and you're going to become miserable. You get your feelings in the way, and you're going to become bitter. You get your emotions in the way, and you're just going to be discouraged and shot out. Verse 3 said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Well, we're on a theme now with numbers. It's four commands to keep right inside this verse. You can see them inside the punctuation. This, listen, this punctuation is to be followed. Four things, four commands that we need to keep. Number one, don't be selfish. <laughs> well, that's not easy for human beings. You don't have to teach selfishness. You don't have to teach selfishness. 
And I believe you got to teach racism. I believe you got to teach hate. Um, I, I, I've been around too, too many kids. Uh, kids will embrace anybody that will embrace them. Uh, when, uh, when Malachi pulls off Shannon's arm to climb in my arms, he don't care at all uh, how, how pale my skin is. And I don't know, I mean, is, is he dark enough for you yet? <laughs> Shannon was a little bit worried. She was like, this, what this look? he's supposed to look like me. Listen, when Malachi pulls out of her arms and jumps into my arms, drinks out of my water bottle, he don't care how pale my skin is because nobody's taught him yet that the white man is the evil colonizer that stole the land. He ain't been well-versed in critical race theory yet. He ain't been taught that the oppressor is to be hated forever. He just loves everybody. That's nice to him. Listen, now hear me good. If dogs and little children don't like you, you stink. I don't mean in the nose. I don't mean odor-wise. I'm talking about as a human being. You're just a stank human being. You need to tighten up your game. You need to become a nicer person because little kids and dogs will tell on you. They'll let you know. You, you start. I see a little baby do that. I'm like, I got to go because you got something on you I don't want to touch. People have been commanded to do some supernatural things by the living God. And here's a big one. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Why would God, now this is going to be easy. I do this to y'all on the regular so you'll learn. We're Bible teaching church. Why would God, now he's talking to Christians. Why would the one true living God tell his faithful followers, don't be selfish? Absolutely. We are predisposed to selfishness. We are predisposed to want what we want. And the only way, listen, there's only one way we're going to keep this command. And it's the same way everything else. Anybody know what the word is? Spiritually. We can only do these things through the Spirit. You, if you stay in your mind, if you stay in your emotions, if you stay in your feelings, you will be, get ready, selfish. Well, how dare you? I'm the most giving, kind, generous person. You selfish down to your core. You've been eyeballing. Listen, people so selfish. They, they, I, I know families that play games with the remote control. It's like whoever's the first one in the room controls the remote control until they run out. And then somebody jumps up and grabs. It's mine now. You want to watch what you want to watch. You want to check the air the way you want to check the air. Listen, let me tell you something. If you're under 30 and you don't pay the light bill, be touching no, don't be touching your mom and daddy's thermostat. Well, I'm hot. Oh, you selfish. The temperature they want it to be. Don't be selfish. If we just did any one of these things, if we loved each other, we, we would change the world for Christ. If we stop being selfish, we'd change the world for Christ. If you stop being selfish, oh, somebody, I told y'all I'm equal opportunity. Uh, get under your skin kind of preacher. If you stop being selfish, you have less trouble in your home. Well, I, I think I should get my way every now and then. Why? <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. 
Now, if you're under 30 and you don't pay the bills, you ain't in this conversation. Oh, God gave us four commands to keep in this verse 3. Don't be selfish. Next thing he said, don't try to impress others. Don't try. If we just did that, if we could just come to church not trying to impress anybody, this is one of the reasons why I just need to shoot everybody in the sound booth. I have told them for years, I am not a singer. I don't pretend to sing well. I sing loud. They turn my mic down when I start singing loud. Like, that's going to stop me. I've told them for years, let the people hear loud, bad singing. So they'll know it's okay for them to sing loud, too. If it, I'm not trying to, I dress down, I wear jeans, a t-shirt. I come to dress comfortable. I, I Listen, I don't care. You want to wear a suit, wear a suit. You want to wear a dress, wear a dress. You want to put on all your accessories and match from head to toe and, and, and just kill it, then just kill it. I've, I've said for years, come, come, come wearing anything you want to wear. Just don't come naked. Just don't wear your birthday suit because that would be a scandal. Churches are ridiculous when it comes to impressing people. I can tell you almost, well, not everything. I can tell you a lot of things. Uh, about the larger churches and, and what they really cater to. Anybody ever been to First Baptist Church of Mandarin? The white girl. It's an all-black church. You didn't raise your hand, Stacy Green. Ah, you've been there. First Baptist Church of Mandarin. If, you, if you're black and you got $2 to rub together... And you're political, and you got a Cadillac, Mercedes, or a BMW, that's your church. Yes, sir. When, when, when uh, the anointed man of God, Bishop, Apostle, founder, evangelist, potentate, general overseer, pastor, doctor, Rodney, uh, what, what was started Titus, Harvest Dome, a.k.a. Titus Shekinah Glory, a.k.a. Titus Shekinah Glory Outreach Center, a.k.a. Titus Worldwide, a.k.a. whatever it's being called this month. If you wanted to go to a church, because Bishop Jackson don't preach in Jacksonville, but if you wanted to go to a church with a great storyteller, that was your church. I heard him preach one time for 11 minutes. I had it on tape. I rewound it. 11 minutes on peanut butter and jelly. Yes, ma'am. He, he, he was preaching on peanut butter and jelly, and he, he got to hooping on peanut butter and jelly and how thankful he was coming up to have some jelly. And all the times he didn't have no jelly, and sometimes they didn't have no peanut. And 11 minutes worth of preaching on PB&J. And if you wanted a preacher that would preach on, on non-biblical issues and hoop and holler and get the whole church sweating, that's where you went. We have a church culture in America of trying to impress people. We have a church culture, and it starts in the pulpit, and it runs all the way throughout the whole church. When I was in seminary, I had a speech professor in a homiletics class, which is where they teach you how to sound like a preacher, how to speak with breathiness and intonation, how to let your words fall off at the end. 
and drive home a point with emphatic declaration. And I had my speech professor said, Becker, if you don't lose that country accent, nobody's ever going to listen to you. You sound, you sound like Gomer Powell. I told him two things. One was spiritual one was one was unspiritual. I said, well, let me tell you this. I'm not going to stand up in the pulpit and fake a voice that's not mine. All the rest of y'all have been doing that long enough. And this country accent goes over big with the ladies, so you do you and I'll do me. <laughs> Believe it. But we have a church called, turn with me to the second chapter of St. John's Gospel as we consider the magnificence of Christ. You got that fake voice. Nobody talk like that. You got half the preachers in the country trying to sound like Dr. King. You got the other half trying to sound like Billy Graham or some mixture in between there. It's just for impression. It's just to try to impress people. Uh, Man, one, one of the greatest preachers I ever heard, I can't even think of his name right now. What's that guy's name? That bishop from South Florida that wore all, all the clothes and had the big words. Ex-lawyer. Yeah, won the big tobacco suit. Put, put like $20 million in his church from, from that. What was his name? Anyway, this brother was so dressed. No one. We, we took our whole church over there. He, he preached at Bishop McLaughlin Church one time. We took our whole church over there. And, and this brother got up there. He had on no less than $150,000 worth of clothes, shoes, and jewelry. And every word he said was, no need to even have a dictionary. I couldn't spell half those words with it. You still got to know how to spell the word to look it up. You got these preachers preaching, just trying to impress people. I'm serious. When I was a little kid, I, I, thought, what, what, I thought what made a deacon was somebody who drove a nice car and had a nice suit. Because all the deacons drove nice cars and have nice suits. And they, they, they ordained them as deacons. Why? Because they wanted to impress people. Look at who's serving. And the Bible says that a deacon is somebody who wipes down tables and stacks chairs. That's what deacons do with abundant life. De deacons at other churches hiring fire folk, trying to impress. Don't try to impress people. Do your best for God. Put your best foot forward all the time for God, not for other people. Some of y'all live in such a fake life. So I'm, I, I, I could have said a, such a duplicitous life, but y'all don't have your dictionaries with you. <laughs> but that, that's a more impressive word. But if you you can't fool God. Some of y'all live in such, such two-faced lives. You're trying to make, listen, if some of y'all's friends knew you was in church today, they'd be like, <laughs> they go to church. Stop trying to impress people. You know the saying, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God. Why, why are you trying to put on airs? Why are you trying to put, put on this fakery? Why, why do you think when you come to church, you got to speak in church and knees and, 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 and act all churchy? Put your best foot forward all the time. Live, live, live a godly life all the time. Don't, don't just put on your church speak on Sunday only. we got to get out of here. Let me finish this up. Uh, don't try to impress people. 
The third thing of these four commands to keep in verse 3, be humble. Mm. We do not live in a culture that responds well to humility. We live in a culture where people who are humble get run over. We live in a culture where I got to do me. I'm just keeping it real. I like what Chris Rock said. Yeah, you're keeping it real stupid. I'm just keeping it 100. Hunt it? You can't find that in the dictionary. Be humble. It's a Christian virtue. Let me tell you something. In a culture that doesn't, res- doesn't respect humbleness, in a culture that doesn't promote humility, there's only one way that we're going to be able to keep this command that God commands us, these two words, be humble. We're only going to be able to do it spiritually. You can, choose to be, uh, you can choose to live in the spirit realm. You can choose to live in your flesh. But you will not please God in your flesh. The fourth command in this verse, think of others better than yourselves. Now, we don't have that on screen. Think of others better than yourselves. Uh, if we had the time and the honest people in the room, we could go around and say, how many people in this room do you think are better than you are? Well, I think I'm pretty good. There is a lack of esteeming others. There is a lack of valuing others. Every person that you see is a human being created by God for a purpose. No matter what they they look like on the outside, we're all the same on the inside. No matter what their money looks like, no matter what you think of them, we need to learn to think of others as better than us. That's not hard if you just be honest for one minute. Do you know you've done some pretty humiliating things in your lifetime? Do you know you've you've done some pretty schemy, shady things in your lifetime? I don't care how good you think you are. You have done some things that if we put on the screen, you would not be excited for everybody to see it. You need to realize, I'm no better than anybody else. Let me finish and get out of here. Verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I call this the divine alternative. This is the divine alternative. This is an alternate way of living beyond the way most people live. Most people look out only for their own interests. I'm going to get me mine. Or if you're from the north side, I'm going to get me mines. Not in the dictionary again, but can't look it up. But we live in a world where I got to look out for number one. Well, who is number one? Who made you number one? God is number one. Don't look out only for your own interest. Here's the divine alternative. But take an interest in others too. Take an interest in others too. Most people are so self-absorbed and consumed with their own issues that they're not even concerned at all about anyone else. God commands us. Walk away from that self-absorption. There's a great big world out there that's bigger than you, that's bigger than me, that's bigger than this city, that's bigger than this country, that's bigger than your race. There's a world out there that you need to take an interest in because God told us to. That's the divine alternative because the go-to is looking out for yourself. But the divine alternative For people who want to be spiritual, taking an interest in others too. 
I believe one of the greatest ways you can take an interest in someone is to pray for them. To acknowledge them. To let them talk. To listen. To love them. This is all things of massive effort. And it cannot be done in the flesh. They can only be done by human beings in the spirit realm. Last verse. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. See, this is the method that we accomplish all these things. I told you we got to do them spiritually. And the way we stay spiritual is, in, in the King James, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You must have the same attitude. Do you think Jesus knew he was better than everybody else on this earth? The answer is yes. Do you think he knew that he pleased God more than everybody else that had ever lived? The answer is yes. Do you think he knew that he lived a holier life than every human being that ever drew a breath on this planet? The answer is yes. But the Bible says that he humbled himself. He had to, he had to get, he couldn't just sit around and think, I'm, I'm God over here. Created y'all. It's not the attitude he had. He had the attitude to love people. He had an attitude to humble himself. He had an attitude to give others the best. And he just took the less. When will the body of Christ start doing that? Acronyms, churchisms. Half the people in this room could tell you, well, you know, if you spell joy out on a flannel graph board, and you really want to have joy, what it really stands for is Jesus. Anybody know what's next? Others and yourself. Well, that's cute on a, on a chalkboard. But when are we going to start putting Jesus first and others after him? When we live in a me and mine world. When we live in I'm taking care of myself world. When we live in, a, ain't nobody going to get it done for me. I got to get mine while I can get it. I got to get in where I fit in. Do you fit in with God's plan? God says you got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Jesus had a humble attitude. Jesus had a loving attitude. Jesus had an obedient attitude. Jesus, Jesus had a, I will serve others. When they called him master and Lord, he said, you call me master what you say. For, for so I am. He said, but I, I, I came to serve you. He said, I call you my friends. He said, greater love had no man than this. They lay down his life for his friends. He was talking about laying down our lives for each other. Remember this. Write this down. Show up. When is it? Next Saturday? Show up next Saturday between 1 and 5. See how many people come to work day. I told you I'm equal opportunity to get under your skin today. I love everybody, Pastor Scott. I love the Lord. Oh, I just love, I just love Jesus and all God's people. And I just want to do anything I can do. I've had so many people come to me and ask, new people always come up to me. Pastor Scott, I just want to do whatever I can do for the church. How, how, can, I, how can I be of service? Show up on Saturday and do something. To help somebody else. Show up on Saturday. Have an attitude. You think Jesus will show up to his church on work day? Jesus showed up everywhere God commanded him to show up. And he paid the ultimate price. And I want you 
to get out of your mind, get out of your emotions, get out of your experience, get out of your politics, get out of your race, and let Christ be all and in all. Let your identity be Christian. Let the thing that binds us together be Christ. Have his attitude. His attitude was to always please the Father. Do you want to please Jehovah? If you do, we talked about a lot of things today. Start doing what God called you to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son to be our perfect example. God, I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that's unsaved. I pray that you would save them by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for every Christian in the room, God, that you would let us begin to be and to do all that you've called us to be and to do. Father, I thank you for each person who's come today, Lord. I pray that you would heal the brokenhearted, God. Comfort those who are hurting, God. I pray that you would let us see the benefits that are found inside the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love you and to love each other the way you've commanded us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.